one of your Earth emotions. Glad I found you. Let's get married. Delete the wife. Welcome back to Deep Space Love, the Star Trek podcast where a married Trekkie couple explore love in all its forms throughout the final frontier. I'm Nicole, one of your hosts. I'm Joe, one of your other hosts. And today we have um, another little detour out of the Star Trek franchise, but not too far. <laughs> um, we'll be digging into some Star Wars today. Yeah, you just changed the Trek to Wars and you got it. Yes. That's the only difference. Yep, that's it. Yeah. Nothing else different between them. Yeah. No, it's a we have a we have kind of a special interview interview for you guys today. Um, a little bit different than our episode deep dives. We're going to be interviewing uh, Justin Leach, who was a uh, an animator producer who worked on Star Wars Clone Wars animated show, Star Wars Vision, as well as uh, founding his own uh, studio, uh, Cubic Pictures, which recently produced uh, Eden, uh, an animated show on Netflix with uh, David Tennant and Neil Patrick Harris in it. That was pretty cool. Yeah, it's a great voice cast and a really awesome premise, but we'll get into that in we the interview later. We'll absolutely get into that, yeah. But uh, we do talk a lot of Star Wars. We talk a little bit about anim- animation. It's super fascinating. Um, but, Nicole, I wanted to ask you before we uh, we drop into our interview. Yes? Uh, you're a Star Wars fan, right? Yes. What has been, uh, and this is a big question, what's your favorite <laughs> Star Wars thing to watch or to have watched? And what of the upcoming slate are you most looking forward to? Yeah. Um, so those, that's two questions, first of all. True, true. Yeah. You told me you had one. So it's actually two. Uh, I guess I dropped the last one. I'm, I'm the sorry. Bonus question. Bonus question. Yeah. I guess. It's one and a bonus. Uh, yeah. So those are, well, I'd say they're both kind of loaded questions. But, uh, you know, having two small kids, we are not as caught up on every single show that we wish to be. So we have. As of yet, when recording this, the to have watched Andor, the series Andor, and so um, I'm actually really excited to to watch that one because um, it's upcoming for us still, and I know that uh, many respectable Star Wars fans in our live lives have recommended it highly, and so has the internet i guess you would say as well most people seem to have enjoyed it very much so so i'm really excited to see that one um i'm gonna think on the other one while you i'm gonna ask i'm gonna throw the same question your way okay so what was the question again i came up with it didn't i you did come up with it favorite star wars thing to have watched (laughs) what are you most looking forward to that's right okay all right favorite thing um it's hard not to say honestly the original trilogy because it's just so iconic and i grew up with it so i'm going to kind of move kind of move past that one and just say like that's a given um that being said uh i've got kind of two that i might say for where we're at right now um sneaky one i really had a blast watching the obi-wan series actually i know it's got a lot of flaws and there are critiques you can pull apart with it but we watched it together and we kind of watched it really quick and i feel like our conversations we had with it were really fun and so i just had a really nice time watching it plus it was a I don't know. It's just good to see you and McGregor get the chance to reprise that role. I know he just adores being part of the franchise and I was kind of, I was just enjoying seeing him. He was obviously having a blast with it. So that was cool to see. Um, It's a, I know it's not everyone's favorite, but I just, the experience of watching it, I thought was really fun. Yeah. It's your favorite, not everybody else's favorite. Exactly. And then I honestly would say, and this ties in with our interview, I think arguably the Star Wars 
at least visual property, something that's on screen that's doing the most innovative storytelling has got to be Star Wars Visions. Um, and, and I know that's maybe hindsight from having talked to Justin Leach a bit about it, but watching the series, like it's such, it's able to explore such unique like corners of the franchise that you don't get in some of the main storytelling places. And it's so unique in the different animation styles, the different studios, like you're giving voices to people to tell these stories that would not otherwise have the opportunities to do this. So it's really uh, a cool, a cool piece of media that a large franchise is allowing to happen, I guess, in a sense, like it's, I'm, I'm really excited for that show. Like, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's cool and unique. Yeah. You know, the short tracks were in a way sort of a version of that in the, you know, jumping mm-hmm. back into the track Trek world, yeah. franchise for just a moment. Um, but that kind of stopped short. Whereas visions, you know, has two seasons two pretty solid seasons and i think yeah, more to come. Nine, yeah eight or nine episodes each yeah so. i was i was really optimistic about short treks especially when they dug into animation because they yeah. had a couple different kinds of animation or animators and, and and styles in those in those episodes and i really enjoyed them and i i'd love it if they could revisit it yeah yeah so let's just throw that out into the universe yeah universe galaxy a galaxy far far away well we want to do this galaxy though and not really a long time ago either yeah, yeah. currently in this galaxy yeah um, I'm just going to jump back to, I guess, answer the question. Um, cause I feel like your answers were both really great. So, um, yeah, it, yes. Setting aside, I would say the original trilogy. Um, I want to give a shout out to Rogue One because. Ooh, good choice. Um, I mean, I guess, so this is just like an in the moment and like, just cause I want to like give it a shout out, you know, um, I would say, um, <laughs> What I love in Star Wars often fluctuates. I mean, I think that's kind of true of any franchise, really. Um, it's hard to always pick favorites. But I just wanted to shout out Rogue One because I feel like it was, it almost feels like it was a, a bit of like a prequel to, that's uh, not really the right word to say. What am I trying to say? Um, not prequel. Side story? Side quill. A preview. Uh, a preview. Of ah. what was to kind of come with, I think, things like Visions and the other star wars um shows that have come out since then and like telling stories that are not centered it was the first one to really tell a story not centered in the skywalker saga and so for Uh, that i think that it um paved the way for a lot of the cool stuff we're seeing now that's a great point yeah i I would agree i was kind of going off the quill side of your your word and i should have gone with the pre huh yep yeah yeah, (laughs) it's okay that's why we're a team yeah all right (laughs) that's a good answer i I, yeah, we got to rewatch Rogue One sometime soon. It's a that's a good one. It's I'm it's not also, sure we watched it since we saw it in the theater. I've seen it in a and, while, but it's, it resonated though. I feel really like I think a lot about, it. and I guess that's a good you know stepping stone to Andor too. Like that's just kind of yeah, spin off from, from that. what from what I've heard. Yeah, yeah. I didn't answer my uh, most looking forward to one yet though. Oh, I'm sorry, I kind of cut you off. No, I guess we we're, we're just going back and forth. Back and forth. That's cool. Uh, I it's tough. I feel like there's a lot of really cool stuff coming out. There are some pretty cool movie announcements. I'm definitely excited for the Ahsoka show that's coming out real soon. That looks yeah. really cool. Um, there are uh, there's a book series that's kind of been ongoing, set in the High Republic era, which is like thousands of years before the mm-hmm. prequels. That I'm uh, I haven't started yet, but I'm really excited to check out. Um, I think uh, you know I'm a big fan of e extended universe like book novels and and franchises I love. So I'm excited to see what what they've been doing in the, this kind of new uh, new canon universe since the previous star wars canon has book canon has become the legends um i 
I'm actually really excited for uh, some of the new film announcements. We have one that's going to be set in, I think, I think uh, Old Republic era. It sounds like from James Mangold. We have one from mm-hmm. Dave Filoni that's supposed to be tying up uh, the shows, I think is the rumor. It might be uh, connecting Boba Fett, Mandalorian, Ahsoka, all those together. That seems interesting. But I'm I'm kind of like sneakily really excited for... There's one that's going to be sneakily, sneakily excited, excited I'm for. Really, I'm really, I'm like trying to imagine what that means. Well, I don't know. It's just like I feel like it might be getting the least amount of buzz. But the oh, one okay. following up on uh, episode nine, feature, uh, featuring like Ray forming like a new Jedi Order, I yeah. think that seems really cool. I'm excited. I'm excited to see the yellow lightsaber like more. I know you've been excited since we saw it. In the I mean, film. that was my, my. That's probably the coolest part. <laughs> but I'm excited for that. I think that'll be really fascinating to see where they take that. Uh, that the future, like. There's so many of these properties are set in like, you know, the middle of the movies or like previous to certain trilogies. This first one's like finally going forward. It's hard not to like compare to Trek again where you're like, okay, go forward. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes there's like create. Yeah. Create the new canon. I mean, sometimes, you know, but not that there are not corners of each franchise that are like worth exploring at different points in time and different locations within the same time frame. But I'm just excited to see it. Yeah, all of yeah. it. Yeah. Mo- mostly all of it. Yeah, exactly. Hey, Joe. Hey. I have a question for you. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think you're going to love it. What droid always takes the long way around? Huh. What droid always takes the long way around? Oof. Uh, all right, give it to me. R2-D2. R2-D2. Oh, yeah. my God. I love it. I love you. That's so good. I love puns. You're welcome for the puns. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. That was good. One. I hope our listeners enjoy it too. <laughs> I know that you were like waiting. You had everything set up to record this. Mm-hmm. And I, you were probably like, where the F is she? That's what I was doing. You were spending time researching puns. Yeah, I was. No, I appreciate that. Yeah, okay. I'm for that. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. It was That's worth great. It. That's perfect. It's worth yeah. the wait. Yeah. Okay. Um, should we get to, should we get to the interview? Yes. I think that. It's, it's uh, very Star Wars focused. We, we do, we do slip in some Trek at the end though. I will do. say. Yeah. 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 So but, without further ado. Yes, please enjoy our interview with Justin Leach. <laughs> Justin Leach, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm uh, really glad that we can chat. Same. I'm really excited for this. I we've um, honestly we're so we're normally a Star Trek podcast, but we are also big into animation and Star Wars, which we're going to get into. I know Star Trek has a couple of new animated shows, which have been really fun. So I'm really excited to chat with you about uh, some of your projects. Yes, I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, so first off, you um, are uh, I believe I was going to say part of, but you're like founder of Quibic Pictures, right? Yeah, it's actually pronounced cubic, and this cubic. is actually a lot, a lot of people call it cubic. So you're not the only one. So yeah, and this is uh yeah, we're called cubic, and it's cubic. named you know in Eden and uh, the show that we did. There's a cube in that film or in the series, and that was kind of like yeah, we sort of had the idea of calling it cubic with a Q, and ah. so yeah, no that that that's where that came from. Oh, cool. And so uh, we're gonna talk about Eden a bit, but is that that's your major project right now? Correct. Uh, yeah, we uh, we're currently so we we delivered uh, we did Eden for on Netflix. It was a four episode series, which is based on my original pitch, and then we did Star Wars Vision season one for Lucasfilm. That was uh, for uh, for several. I forgot the um, number of shorts that were in that. I think it was like mm-hmm. 
eight or nine, I think. But um, but yeah, so I worked on that for Lucasfilm. And then before that, I've, I've, I've had a lot of experience working in, in animation and different studios. And I lived in Japan and stuff like that. But yeah, so Cubic is relatively new. That was, um, I did have another company called 8-Bit Pictures, which was established earlier, where I did a short film called Kick Heart, uh, directed by Masaki Yuasa. I did like a crowdfunded, crowdfunding um, anime. And uh, but then in 2018 we changed the name to Cubic Pictures, and then we worked on Eden, and then uh, Star Wars Visions. And then currently we are working on three productions at the moment. Oh, cool! It's a great expansion. So yes, <laughs> it's fun. What draws you to genre storytelling, and I guess in particular also like the animated medium for such stories? Well, you know, I uh, grew growing up in Midwestern Michigan. You know, my father was a projectionist. He owned a movie theater. Oh, cool! And he owned a video store. And so I grew up in like in this sort of movie wonderland. And I always just really loved film and the live action film. And he also collected like animated cells from Disney. And he would sh- he had a sixty millimeter projector in our basement and would show just like clips from Disney. So I just I kind of grew up in this environment that was surrounded by animation and film and so i always you know as i was growing up i liked disney animation of course but i was like starting to get exposed to anime in the 80s and 90s which was a great period for japanese animation with films like akira and ghost in the shell and and also ghibli's films like naushika and castle in the sky and you know i started getting exposed to those things and i was just like i was just so inspired by that and that was the type of animation that i wanted to always make but when I was working in the States, you know, typically it would it sort of evolved into CG animation and it was always going to be for family and kids, which is fun to work on. But um, but I always had wanted to make that style of animation. So actually, Eden, for example, was originally a pitch at Blue Sky Studios for a feature film and Fox was briefly developing it. It was going to be made at Blue Sky. Uh, unfortunately, they passed on the project and decided to make the robots movie instead. Um, mm-hmm. But even from that time, I wanted to make like that style of animation. I, and I just really loved how um, Japanese animation and film, like was, it's more like a medium and, and, you know, I've, I know we call it genre animation in the States, but it's like the way that I kind of perceive it is like, just, it's more very filmic and it's not like something specifically made for children. So I just love, I love working in that. That's just something that just inspires me as a viewer. And that's just the type of projects that I always wanted to make. And so now with, anime becoming so popular um it's given given us opportunities and given myself and cubic opportunities to work on projects like that yeah and we're glad for it It, yeah exactly animation as a medium instead of just like a specific like for kids and and families like expanding so many stories to tell Yes. And it's funny how like they, they do refer to it as genre animation within the industry, like at Netflix or animation for adults is often called genre animation. But it's kind of I always felt like that term is kind of uh, yeah opposite of what yeah it's supposed to be. It represents that it's more of a medium and that it can be anything. It's kind of fun that you bring that up. I actually had a question later on down the road about uh, that exact concept of genre as like a medium rather than like or animation is like a genre versus like medium and all that and kind of the stuff that Guillermo del Toro has been saying lately it is like Oscar speech and all that yeah um, but yeah I yeah it's it's I think it's fun I think that a lot of people have been kind of doing great animated stuff and it's been going on for a long time but it's it's seen like it seems like there's kind of more of like a public limelight on it lately which is kind of nice to see 
Yes. Yeah. I'm so happy. I feel like I've been waiting my whole life for finally, like finally people are kind of getting it. And yeah, so I'm, I'm so, so happy. <laughs> so uh, Eden, um, one of your original projects kind of tells the story of this lone human girl raised by robots in kind of a utopian, maybe dystopian society, mm -hmm. right? I'd say um, many years in the future. Could you tell us like uh, just a little bit about this project? Kind of maybe how to, how you mentioned it, it was pitched as a, as a show, but uh, are there plans mm -hmm. to continue the story? Uh, so yeah, Eden was basically at the time that when I originally came up with the idea, this was around 98. I had just gone to Japan for the first time uh, I worked on a short film called Bunny, which won an Academy Award. I was just Congrats. an animator. Oh, thank you. I didn't win it myself. The, <laughs> Chris Wedge, the director, won, but I was an animator on that. And so I use that as a as a as a little sort of a golden ticket to go to Japan and visit all these different studios. And so we organized a little trip, and I got to meet Hayao Miyazaki. We went to Studio Ghibli. Wow. I mean, it was just like the dream. It was like, I, oh man, yeah. it was so cool. Went to IG, met Oshi Mamoru, and uh, I built a lot of relationships. I, and I saw Michael Arias as well, uh, who was working on a film called Tech on Kingcrete. He's a director of that film. And it, so it was, just, it was such an inspiring trip. And I came back and I was like, I want to make this type of an animation. And so, um, you know, at the time, I think, uh, you know, there's a lot of um, news about global warming and environmental concerns and i just and also i just I was always intrigued by the idea of evolutionary artificial intelligence like that over time got smarter and smarter and could eventually reach um a high level of intelligence and uh so i just thought it'd be kind of intriguing to tell the story of uh you know i think the pitch that i put on the board was uh at blue sky when we did the pitch fest was like in a world devoid of human life, uh, a pair of robots discover a human baby. So I thought that was kind of an interesting hook to kind of build a story around. And so from that point, um, that was kind of the, it, it was also kind of meant to be sort of like a three men and a baby type of story where, you know, you're new. It's like being a parent for the first time, you know, there's no instructions. You're trying to like figure stuff out. You're like, not sure if you're doing it right. So I thought that was kind of interesting. And I always loved, I like science fiction and robots. I was always inspired by those stories. There's a story I like, for example, called um, the, I think it's called The Order to Stop Operations or something like this. It's by Katsuhiro Otomo, who did Akira. I think it was a short film for one of the anthologies. And I don't remember off the top of my head if it was, uh, I gotta, I, I, yeah, it's either Robot Carnival or Neo Tokyo, but I, I'm, I gotta, gotta check but anyway one of those anthologies it was it's really cool so i i was inspired by that and uh i just wanted to kind of tell a human story through uh these two robots that raise a child and how that changes them and makes them more human and how in the end of the day i feel like kind of as machines you know if we can reach a certain level of intelligence um there isn't much difference between a human and a robot it's just the mechanics by which we think or the 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 chemistry i just see I, I see humans as sort of like machines we're just a different type of machine so i just thought that was kind of interesting concept to explore definitely yeah super fascinating plus it's got a phenomenal voice cast too yeah oh i know they did <laughs> oh man they did such a good job both the japanese cast and the uh, the american cast i mean yeah it's so amazing you know we had neil patrick harris and Rosario Dawson and uh, Ruby Rose Turner and um, 
David Tennant. I mean, just incredible. Yeah, incredible cast. I was, I was, I was very. You know, I didn't. Um, Netflix handled most of the localization, so I wasn't too involved in that process. But I was really happy with uh, how that came out at the end. And you know, I think like, you know, in terms of future Eden, I think like certainly, you know, the story was designed. There were some things that we didn't talk about in the first season. One was like, there's Eden. There's Eden one, there's Eden zero, there's Eden one, there's Eden two, and Eden three, and and the story takes place at mostly around Eden three, um, and Eden one was kind of the first, the first attempt at building the perfect society for humans, and letting the after the robots had repaired the Earth and brought it back to its uh, healthier state, um, and then there's something there's a whole story about uh, two which we haven't talked about at all. And there's also things like um, Sarah's parents. How did she end up there? That's something that we want to explore and um, and just sort of like further developing the relationship between the parents and Sarah and her just growing up and and growing up in a world of robots. And then, in you know, if there was a new season, it would probably deal with what happens after the humans wake up and how does the world change and what will happen when, when the two come together. So... That's something that I would love to explore. Um, you know, I think like unfortunately, it probably didn't get enough attention from fans, probably mm-hmm. to get people motivated enough uh, to make it more. But certainly, yeah, I mean, I'm always I'd be very mm-hmm. happy to do more if someone wanted me to. But yeah, it's probably I don't think it's in the cards, but we'll see. Yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah, there's so many different interesting yeah storylines before and after to explore like you mentioned yeah like the fall of like how did humanity fall or what was it like when you know things fell apart and you know because we are facing these these global you know we're seeing the earth change today like all these heat waves Mm -hmm. and all these terrible storms you can really feel like it's starting to happen and you can imagine in 10 or 20 years it's probably going to be pretty uncomfortable and so like yeah what happens when we start running out of resources what's going to happen to all the governments around the world and the countries and the wars that will be fought over resources and i thought that was kind of interesting concept to explore too um let's see so pivoting over to visions um one of the cool things about visions is um exploring all the different aspects of that universe from different points of time um, within the time frame. Um, were there any canon limitations that the creators have when making um, th- those shorts? Well, I think um, the the framework was laid out by the executives at Lucasfilm, James Waugh, Jackie Lopez, Josh Rimes. And uh, I think from the very beginning, their uh, their mission was really to not be uh, limited by canon and allow them to express themselves in however they want so i think they were encouraged to explore come up with new ideas new worlds new characters and you know and i think you know our job was to kind of help find those people that had a passion for star wars that wanted to tell a story and then give them help you know enable them to do that working with the lucasfilm team it was a really awesome project. Yeah. And in the oh, it was like my dream. I mean, I was <laughs> like, oh, gosh, I've always wanted to make Star Wars an anime. Like, I just always felt that the two would be so right for each other. And if anything, 
yeah, I mean, it's just I think if anything could bring pe- more people to anime, uh, it would be Star Wars and anime. <laughs> yeah, like I think it, it it has the ability to show people that you know anime isn't just kind of like a stereotype. It's an it's a medium, and there's mm-hmm. so many cool different expressions of it. And you might actually, if you if you haven't watched anime, you might watch and be like, you know, actually that's pretty good. I didn't I didn't realize that's not what my impression was about anime. So I think like that was that's that made me really happy that those creators could take a stab at it and it can also show the world like how cool and how creative and original uh the talent is there and uh, so yeah i thought it was a really it was a really inspiring project to work on absolutely yeah that's that's awesome um i guess coming off from that like what how, how did you get to work with lucasfilm how did you, you work on the clone wars prior to this right yeah so i had Back in uh, 2005, I believe, I I was asked to join Lucasfilm as a CG supervisor, and they were George Lucas was making a new studio. It was called Lucasfilm Animation, and they wanted to make the Clone Wars series. and uh, And it was actually at Skywalker Ranch, and mm-hmm. uh, so I was like, "Yes, I will definitely do that." <laughs> so I moved up to San Francisco and uh, worked at Skywalker Ranch. I was like one of the first of seven employees there. It was even before Dave Filoni got there. And uh, I just remember that feeling of, I mean, on one sense, you're super excited. Oh my gosh, I'm at Skywalker Ranch. This is incredible. George Lucas has just walked by me. Like, I can't believe I'm here. The Skywalker Ranch, there's this like, you know, it's just a, uh, a valley of dreams. And, um, and on the other hand, you're like, oh my gosh, how are we going to make a Star Wars TV show from scratch? And like, like it's, it was so intimidating and, there's just so much to figure out uh, like on every level from a technical perspective, a logistical, like building a pipeline, building like, you know, there's just departments and you know, it's, it's, it was, yeah, it was really, really intimidating. And so, um, but it was, it was an amazing experience. Dave Filoni would eventually join a little bit later. And what's really cool. Well, one of the really cool things about being there at that time was I got to see uh, Dave and the, and, creating like ahsoka you know like for the first time i got to see the first like ahsoka sketch and when that was coming out and just oh man it was just it was so cool and you know just being able george giving us and giving dave and 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 everyone that opportunity to try to build something like that and it was really hard we had a lot of you know hard lessons in the first and second seasons i think um and that's natural i think given the scale and but yeah it was just uh it was such a amazing experience and then i would later move different into different positions after i got there and i would later settle in um working in the story department like as a technical uh sort of like a i guess you might call it a technical artist we'd basically work with the story artists and help build tools and we were doing a lot of uh development around this application called zviz which was their pre-visualization software so like ILM has an application um, called, oh my gosh, it's been a while, so I don't remember. <laughs> but, uh, uh, well, anyway, they have like a, a 3D application that they use for their production. And um, and they George said, you know, let's make a pre-visualization tool using that as our basis, and then we'll make a new interface to make it easier for story artists and creators to make uh, storyboards. So he really, like, and I think this was even before a lot of the digital a virtual production stuff was happening. You know, George was really 
uh, ahead of his time. And you could, he knew where it was going and he knew where it was going with television. I mean, that was one of the things like I was always amazed by him is his vision and his ability to see like where things are going. I, I could clearly see it. And I was always like super impressed. So it was fun to be like pioneering these new techniques and working with creators. And like, it was, it was a lot of fun, but basically they would develop these kind of virtual production techniques where they would have a previous software and they would build the assets inside the computer. They build like a set, like a location. And then the storyboard artist would just go into that set location. They start basically moving the characters. Okay. Walk from here to here and then attach the gun to the hand. And then let's, let's move the camera over here. And let's, you know, let's, what if we, let's add another shot over here. And it was like shooting on location. And then they would uh, do that process and they just send it to editorial and then editorial would make, you know, Dave and George would meet in editorial and they would like look at the cut and they would make adjustments and they'd send it back to the story artist. It was a really, really cool process, different than like the Pixar process, which is very hand-drawn only. And then they don't do anything until they look at the hand-drawn storyboards. So it was really cool to, to, to see that. And also to see Dave, uh, you know, he was, he was on the, you know, Avatar, the last airbender at the time. And, I remember the producer was asking me, like, you know, do you think it's a good idea to hire such a fan, you know, that you know, that's of Star Wars? Because he was like, he was someone that would wear like a flocoon costume to a <laughs> convention or something, you know. He was a, clearly a huge, huge fan, and and I was always like, yeah, I, th- I think it's good. I mean, I think fans appreciate that there's a director there that understands the things that they like, and so I I was always yeah very supportive of it. And so it's just really cool to see, to see him go and become so successful and making like live action stuff and then seeing his characters that he was working on actually starting to walk on the live action screen. It's like, it's just, it's kind of surreal, but really, really just generally, yeah, super happy for him and all the things he's accomplished. That's so cool to hear. That's fascinating. Uh, Kind of a side question to some of that, working on like the Clone Wars series, were you a fan of the Tarta Tartakovsky series before that the one I know it's not canon technically yeah. but yeah yeah we were definitely looking at that in the initial um the initial sort of maquettes that we made there's mm-hmm. a Darren Marshall was a very very talented he's he was our sculptor that was working on the so we did like these clay sculpts of I wonder if I have one I actually have yeah actually I have an Anakin back here hold on huh. let me uh I know you can't see it since it's a podcast but I can show you guys <laughs> it's okay but yeah, there. This is the, the the Clone Wars. We kind of started with this, and we were looking at like, you know, um, we were trying to make it different and unique. But we were definitely looking at the that that as an inspiration. And we, as we were trying to figure it out, one of the other things that we we did early on was a. Uh, I did a. Um, uh, when I was working in Japan before that, I was working on a. I worked on a film called Ghost in the Shell Two: Innocence, and on that film. I, I saw them do this really cool technique where they would do a hand, like a, a, a hand painted background. And then they would build 3d objects that match the the painting. And then they'd project the painting on the 3d objects and then they'd move the camera slightly. So it looks like this really cool 3d, like it just, it makes everything kind of pop out and makes it look realistic. And so I thought it might be cool if we did something like that for Clone Wars. And so I, I took Jabba's palace. I took like uh, Dave was talking about uh, how much he liked Ralph McQuarrie's work, and so I took I took one of the Ralph McQuarrie paintings and did that same technique 
that I did for Ghost in the Shell 2. And we had like this really cool like 3D pan in of on Jabba's Palace. And it was like, I think it was like, it was kind of one of those moments like, that's pretty cool. You know, I think maybe we should try to do more of that. <laughs> so <clears throat> that kind of, I think, was one little part of this idea of maybe making it more painterly, like a painterly look. And I still think to this day, even when you look at projects like Arcane, I sort of feel like Clone Wars is kind of one of the early prototypes of that style. And, uh, you know, there's always limitations in television in, in terms of how much time you have and how mm -hmm. far you can take it. But I feel like that kind of that approach really, um, I felt like we were kind of prototyping that style a little bit early, early on. But yeah, it was that was kind of like how we, uh, yeah, that was sort of like how it kind of evolved as we were figuring it out in the beginning. Cool. Yeah, it was really, really fun. And then like, so I, I've known Dave for many years and uh, I still, you know, even though he's kind of become super famous guy, you know, like he's kind of like the new George Lucas, I still just remember him as the guy that showed up to help make the Clone Wars from Avatar, you know, like I just, that's my memory of him. So uh, <laughs> it's, it's it's just kind of, yeah, it's kind of surreal, all everything that's changed since then. But yeah, it's, it's cool to see the fans loving the Clone Wars. And I think people really got into that show in the subsequent season. So I'm really glad that that took off. And then, so yeah, so I've always, I've, and another thing actually that's interesting with um, Clone Wars, and I don't think many people know this, but early on, Dave, you know, George is also a big fan of Japan and Akira Kurosawa, and Dave is also a huge J Japan fan. He likes, loves Godzilla, and um, he loves anime. And we, that was, we, we kind of got along very well in the beginning because he really understands Japanese animation. He knows the creators, he knows a lot about history of anime. Uh, and so one thing that he wanted to do early on was to bring on some creators from Japan to work on the Clone Wars. So we actually hired a uh, artist named Taku, uh, Atsushi Takeuchi, who was a mechanical designer from Ghost in the Shell. He worked at Production IG. And so I helped kind of introduce them and uh, to Lucasfilm, and then they ended up hiring him to direct an episode. He designed, he did some early designs of Grievous, the battle droids, super battle droids. He did um, the ship called Malevolence and uh sort of brought that anime aesthetic to the clone wars and then so it was really neat I, I, so there was like a, a long time connection between lucas Hillman working with anime series i think that was maybe a little first step and then uh you know when when i uh was when i, I reconnected with lucasfilm and at the time they happened to be working on on this anthology project and so they invited me to work on it and i was like yes of course i would love to help bring anime to star wars mm. so yeah it was like a dream come true how involved are are you guys in the stories that get told and choosing the studios or, or yeah, i guess either or so yeah the way what we do is so we have like cubic our company has lots of relationships in japan we know a lot mm -hmm. of, you know i've been working i started at ig in 2001 a long time ago uh so i've had i have a lot of relationship there so basically what what um, you know, we'd work closely with the Lucasfilm team and we would say, you know, here are some studios that we like, that we recommend, that we know. And then they would, they would, uh, you know, we would present information about each studio and then they would, um, you know, decide like, okay, I, we, this studio looks good. Let's go with this one. So we would sort of work with them to, to create the list of studios. And then, uh, we would act as sort of like a communications hub between the Lucasfilm team and all the studios. And we would be tracking, you know, 
everything from the you know schedule to production, uh, you know, helping out with agreements. So it's it's kind of like we are, uh, we you know, Conoco was a producer on the show, and I was a co-executive producer. So we are basically um, ensuring that everything gets done and uh, that the information is flowing back and forth properly. The notes are getting translated. We also have like translation service, you know, people that do all the translations. So we, we're basically like an apparatus that can plug into any studio that allows Hollywood to work with them. Cause most studios in Japan have really little English translation resources and they're, they're just, not used to working with Western companies as well. Sometimes they do, but uh, there are companies that are, do that almost exclusively like Polygon Pictures, but uh, still there, there's, yeah, we, we act as sort of like this bridge to the to the production and the team at Lucasfilm. But yeah, it's very complicated. Like it's hard <laughs> to do, it's so hard because like, imagine, you know, when you're doing a single project, typically, you know, there are there's some they're kind of boring producer like things like contracts for example you have to make a contract with the studio well there's typically that process takes you know quite a few, couple of months because there's a little bit of back and forth there's questions there's we have to translate into Japanese and then you multiply that by the number of studios yeah it, it, it's really hard so we we've had that forced us to kind of develop an internal system of like how we can track all these various communications with the different studios and the translations. And so we had to develop some approaches to handle that. So, yeah, it's uh, complicated, but fun. I love it, though. <laughs> it's good. Rewarding. Yes, rewarding, um, yes. Kind of from the other side of that, like we, we've we been currently watching through um, season two of Visions. Are we, were you more involved in season one or are you in both? I wasn't actually involved in season two. I was just early on a little bit. Uh, I had done a little we had some chats about it potentially sure. being involved but yeah I, I didn't end up uh getting involved in that particular project but um okay did you watch you know, it i did yes i did i we, uh yeah what do you we, think we were th- we were like we we're liking it so far we were really like the the first episode yeah, the one uh right, right with the the yeah the, the one i think it's called sith where the the woman had was renouncing her sith ways and trying to escape like the jedi sith dichotomy and use her the force powers for like painting and creativity and it was such a cool, like this is, I feel like that's just like a good illustration of like what visions can do um, in telling these kind of different, different kinds of stories that you wouldn't get from maybe the movies or the shows normally. Um, is there perhaps maybe in season one or perhaps what you watched as a fan in season two, is there a specific story that resonated with you uh, a lot? Oh yeah. It's so hard because they're all <laughs> so special, you know, it, it's like, yeah, even with season one and season two, picking one favorite or a couple, it's, it's hard. always so hard because they're, it's so different and it's a bit of a smorgasbord. And I think for everyone else, it has, I think it's it, one of the nice things about it is like, you can find your favorite short in there, you know, and not either season. And I think for me, you know, it's funny you mentioned Sith because uh, I actually know Rodrigo Bloss quite well. Yeah, oh. he, used, he used to work, he was an animator at Blue Sky when I was at Blue Sky back in, this is like two, early 2000s, you know, even before I went to Japan. And uh, so yeah, I, I've known him for quite a long time. He was actually even at my wedding in Kyoto. Mm. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, so yeah, he's someone I, I love his work, and uh, he has a studio called El Giri in Madrid. And yeah, I thought that he really did a great job. I liked, um, you know, Owl's Song a lot by Triggerfish. That was the last one. I had a very kind of slightly Ghibli vibe, but I also liked the um, 
yeah, like I like the 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 look and feel and the animation was really good. I like the story in that one. Um, there's I love the Arbin one, but you know because I'm a big fan of Arbin and I also am a parent. You know I think I think that one's kind of for parents. You know like maybe I don't know. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure how uh, younger people would feel about that. Sure, I still but yeah, I love the I love the animation. So it's hard to pick, but. Um, Yeah, because then I then I remember as I'm thinking about it, I'm like, oh, and that one, and oh, and that one. So, yeah, it's hard to pick, but those are the ones that kind of maybe it would come to mind first. With so much being explored in Visions, is there an element or era of Star Wars of the universe that you'd like to see explored more that maybe hasn't been yet? Ah, uh, yeah, well, you know, I, yeah... There are things, yes, I would love to see more of. Like, but I think they've already kind of started doing them. Like, I, I know that they announced. I think is it is it Dawn of the Jedi? I think it is. Um, I was I, I was always personally very interested in the idea of how, uh, you know, the the early formation of the Jedi and 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 the lightsabers and how that how that all came together has always been something interesting to me um but i just i don't i have no knowledge of the show or what they're doing but i know that it's called dawn of the jedi so i assume they're they're gonna you know talk about that so yeah that's something that, that interests me um i also just like yeah just i one thing i do like about visions is just that it i think my favorite shows right now from lucasfilm are actually andor and uh and visions actually mm -hmm. be mm -hmm. because they explore the universe of star Wars and new characters. And, and it's not necessarily, I, I just, I just love the, I just love seeing characters in this world and meeting new characters, new adventures. So I think for me, I'm just personally attracted to those type of projects where it's something entirely new. Feels like those make the universe feel bigger too. Like mm -hmm. I know there's like a centralized story with like the Skywalker saga and all that, but these these kinds of visions, especially, I, I think is bringing something really unique to the table. It just makes it feel like such a bigger universe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's what I feel like after watching Visions and Andor, I'm like, I kind of want to. That's what I, I I really like seeing that world getting built out even further and making more history and things to just dive into and learn about. And yeah, I, I think that's really cool. Um, just kind of a follow-up to that. I mean, you, so you mentioned visions and Andor being kind of the favorite of the series. Do you have a favorite of the films at all yet? Oh, That's a hard the, question. <laughs> oh, the star Wars live action films. Yeah. Oh gosh. Well, well, you know, I think I was, when the first star Wars came out, I was probably like too young to appreciate it in the theater. Mm -hmm. So I think my first memory of like a, of a, of a star Wars movie is, uh, empire strikes back mm. going to the theater so certainly the first three, I mean, episode four, five, and six uh, are probably my favorite, most nostalgic ones, that being probably New Hope or Empire Strikes Back. Um, probably if I did, if you one of those two in terms of my favorite, it's hard to pick, <laughs> but I probably lean towards New Hope because that's probably, that's the first one. That's kind of where it all started. And I think there was just so much, all the stars came together on that one. And just the fact that it was so groundbreaking at the time. Uh, I also at the at, when the prequels came out, I'll say that I kind of rode on the band bandwagon of not liking it very much. But as I get older and look back upon it, I actually think that George was kind of ahead of its time when it when he was making it. I think there are maybe some things that you could probably you know 
that could maybe be adjusted slightly, but still, I think it's very interesting type of story. And I like that it was a different, uh, it wasn't just like a copy of the first, you know, four, five, and six. It was actually an interesting. I was fascinated by just the fall of a government of a civilization to the dark side and how all the the politics and intrigue and how in even in today in in American modern American politics you see a lot of similar things happening mm-hmm. which is like <laughs> I was like wow man he was way ahead of his time he was like calling it out well before it was happening and it's like it's like here we are <laughs> so I just again that's like how I feel towards George is like I'm like so so much respect for his vision and seeing things and I think you know one of the hard parts about being ahead of your time is that no one in your current time realizes it you know so like <laughs> you might come out with something and then people might not like it or like there's Blade Runner you know there's you know there's examples of movies that didn't do too well when they came out but when people look at back on them later they're like wow actually that was pretty good so I think I, I do like the prequels more than I did at the time when I first saw them I'm with you on that. I feel like I'm the I, prequels. I re, I think I really enjoyed them when they first came out, seeing them in theaters and the spectacle. And then like there's the discourse that brings it down a little bit. But like going back and rewatching it now, I think there's a lot of like really great moments to pick, especially like from a technical side, like the motion capture of like Ahmed Best as Jar Jar Binks is was pretty yes. uh, pioneering at the time too. Yes, yeah, yeah. All the stuff he was doing, you know, I think was really really ahead of his time. Um, the newer movies, I feel like I, I, I want to maybe give more time, maybe yeah. give it some more time to maybe I'll look back at it in like five or 10 years and see how I feel about it just so that I give it a, a, a correct opinion about it. I think sometimes <laughs> you have to let, you have to let the experience simmer and, uh, and maybe look back on it. But yeah, I mean, like, I think it's hard. I think it's a big challenge to try to capture that, um, you know, a movie with such high expectations, you know, and, and it's, it's hard. It's just a, such a hard challenge. I, I can't imagine what that was like trying to figure all that stuff out, but, but yeah, I mean, it's um, I'm still, so yeah, I, I, it, I'll have to look, think about it later in life and look back at it and see how I feel. But for now, I'm, I, I just, yeah, I really love the, the, obviously the first movie since that had the, the biggest impact on me as a kid. It was just like, whoa, I think for a lot of people that you also work with at Lucasfilm, they had kind of that Star Wars moment in their lives where it just impacted them so deeply and uh, that they had always wanted that they wanted to even go into movies. Like a lot of the creators and in, in visions had mentioned that, like when we were talking with them, how Star Wars was, um, you know, the movie that inspired them to get into animation that wanted them to become filmmakers and so it was it was really cool to see that um that sort of cycle of inspiration happening and also with kurosawa and, and the west and the east and it's just it's really cool to see that happening i remember when one time i was in uh, i i was in a tri- i was on a trip to japan uh, and kathleen kennedy was there visiting some of the studios and they the creators were just in such awe of her and like they had like one of the directors had an et program from the 80s that she wanted her to sign and it was just amazing to see uh the creators in japan just so happy and they were just lighting up because you know her movies meant so much to them growing up um it was really it was really touching to see and one of the things that makes me happy about the stuff that i do and the work that i do is like bringing the two cultures together it just makes me really it's very satisfying. Absolutely. Um, so 
we like digging into lots of different sci-fi properties and space franchises, um, but we do tend to be more of a Star Trek podcast. So we have to ask, are you a Trek fan at all or other um, uh, franchises or sci-fi properties that are on your geek card? Oh, yes. Yes, definitely Star Trek. I love Star Trek. You know, I watched... um... You know, obviously, this the original Star Trek series on television was before my time. But um, as I was growing up, you know, my father was also involved in film, a film program at Michigan State University. And some of the cast from Star Trek would actually come to MSU, like Leonard Nimoy and William Shatner. So I got to meet some of the original cast. And then um, I got to watch, I watched, you know, Star Trek, the motion picture, uh, Wrath of Khan, Search for Spock. Like I, I watched all of the movies. It kind of once it started getting to uh, generations, or like there was a time where I kind of maybe fell off a little bit. But then the I got back on the horse when they got the new uh, the J.J. Abrams Star Trek. Um, but I, I watched Next Generation. Um, I love the new series, uh, especially Picard season three and Strange New Worlds. I, I also I love season one, but I also I love I think I love season two even more. I just like I think I love that show just right now yeah I have so much love for that show. Um other things I'm watching or or I mean franchises that I love I mean are you know like the uh, Aliens franchise um uh, like <laughs> I'd say I'd say like Alien Aliens and then I am kind of you know I think there's a kind of I think Prometheus and um and Covenant are kind of interesting they're a little they're a little strange in the context of all the movies maybe but like there's something still kind of interesting about it to me even though it's not my favorite but yeah. we're doing i have another podcast actually it's called frankenstein's podcast where we do like uh monster movies and stuff and we're doing a deep dive in the alien movies like right now so oh, like, really yeah so we're doing <laughs> <I> just, episodes yeah <laughs> i just watched prometheus or covenant yesterday and i was watching aliens oh. last night <laughs> so, so funny yeah uh yeah i mean i remember seeing aliens in the theater i mean that was so amazing like it was yeah it kind of blew me away james cameron it was just like it was it's like wow it's like that feeling where you're like no don't go down are you crazy don't go down that elevator and like you're surrounded by aliens and all you have is that gun like it was like the most like it just felt like, man, she, she she's brave. <laughs> it, was like, <laughs> it was, it was, yeah, that was aliens is very much more psychological and, and it's such a different feel than aliens, but yeah, but I like them both like Terminator. Also other franchises, I yeah. love it. The Terminator franchise, predator, you know, kind of the classic eighties and nineties where she grew up on. I'm a big fan of, but yeah, aliens is awesome. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's fun. Um, I suppose we don't want to take too much of your time, so we'll wrap it up here. But is there any like um, I know you can't talk about probably like Star Wars future stuff, but is there any like future projects that you would like to mention or that you can mention that we should look out for? Uh, so far, nothing has been announced yet. Uh, I'm currently working on three productions at the moment. Yeah, mm-hmm. but they're very they're all very, very cool. Um, and I, I just I, I wish. Yeah, I can't wait to tell people. But yeah, no. So far, nothing's been announced yet, so I can't say anything. But uh, I we are busy working on stuff and projects, and um, so yeah, we will. There will be more stuff coming out. We're also just as a company, we're looking at trying to also um, get into production, animation production. So like we've mostly been producing stuff and working with existing studios. So we want to um, look into the the possibility of actually you know, producing animation. And, you know, I, I'm just a, even though I've done a lot of 3D animation, which I, I love and respect deeply, 
um <clears throat> i love 2d animation i just i love there's something kind of like you know maybe it's because it's so hard to make 3d animation look like 2d animation i just want to draw it instead <laughs> it's <laughs> like so uh and it, yeah so i've been we're, we're looking into that as a possibility and uh we're just right now trying to figure out our next slate of productions but you know we're also we have like you know i'm based in new york but we also have our, our company in tokyo so we've got about 10 people within the company in total um but yeah we want to try to like yeah take it to the next stage for cubic and uh keep yeah keep moving forward and we're all also launching a new website sh shameless self-promotion but no, oh, no go we're, ahead we're, yeah, we're launching a new website at the end of this month so i'm not sure that we don't have like a specific launch date but yeah we'll, we'll have a new website which looks a lot better than our current website so yeah as we grow and do more projects hopefully this will help get more visibility on what we do is there any social media uh, accounts um, uh, for Cubic or yourself personally that people? Uh, can yeah, actually, yes, that's a good uh, that's a good idea. Actually, we have a Cubic Pictures uh, Twitter account, Instagram account. Um, I I should know the Twitter handle, and I'm my social media manager is going to kill me. But uh, <laughs> it's okay. I can find it and put it in our notes <laughs> yeah, too. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's on yeah. my personal uh, Twitter is db five zero zero seven which is named after the Aston Martin DB5, which is my mm. favorite car of the James Bond series. And then 007, which I watched a lot of James. I like James Bond movies too. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my, that's why I'm called that. Uh, and then I think it's like cubic, it's either cubic underscore pictures or cubic pictures, all one word uh, for Twitter and Instagram. All right. Yeah. Uh, we'll find it. We'll oh, for yeah. sure. Get it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Cool. Cool. But yeah, like hopefully, yeah. Once we make a new announcements or future projects, if you, Ever want to talk again? Uh, happy to chat and tell you about those projects when they come out. But yeah, there's some exciting things in the works. I uh, can't wait to Absolutely. share. Absolutely, yeah. awesome. Yeah, we'll awesome. stay in touch. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, it was really nice talking to you guys. Yes, thank yeah, you. Thank for you your so time. much. Well, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was super fun. Thank you again to Justin for joining us and uh, letting us ask him some questions. Yeah, it was truly uh, an enlightening experience and a very fun conversation. Thank you so much to Justin. Thank you all for listening. Um, we'll be back next month with uh, some more Trek for you all. And um, if you haven't yet, um, feel free to rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. And follow us uh, on Twitter at DSLovePod. Until next time, love long and prosper.